Welcome back to Hey on Track Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the greatest club in the Bundesliga, the greatest club in Germany, the greatest club that Travis Kelsey is now a fan of. Uh, hit us up, Travis. It's time to collaborate. We'll take you to Frankfurt. We'll show you the match day experience. If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, you live under a rock. So it's going to be a big episode tonight. Uh, I am co-hosting here with the man, the myth, the legend down I-96 from me, uh, Garrett in the suburbs of Detroit. Garrett, welcome back for episode 291. How's it going down there? You know, it's going well. Um, it is blowing my mind that we are a week away from Thanksgiving. Um, it is, but you know, there's a lot in life that has happened in a parallel to the week that the Adlers had on all levels, which we'll get to talk about. Um, you know, there's been good, there's been bad, and, you know, enjoy every moment that we had in this. And also, the Lions are 7-2, forward on the field. <laughs> it, it's been an up-and-down week uh, for us locally and, and in the Eintracht land. Uh, we're going to talk all about it. We got a little special segment coming up for, for someone that you and I know. And we're going to hit on that uh, later in this segment. Um, but I was reminded in putting together my notes for this show of a particular song that hits strong here in the real Midwest this time of year. The Midwest being like if you had a Big Ten football team in our state before 20 or in our region before 2013. I'm not counting Rutgers. But uh, <laughs> so uh, the the. Classic Gordon Lightfoot, wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Um, you know it, right? That's like a, a, a church-level hymn in these parts of the land right now. Um, the legend lives on from the Chippewa down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. Um, November has not been a great month for Eintracht historically. And... You never really know what you're going to get. We weren't playing great ball, but we weren't playing terrible either. Put up more ties than, you know, I really care to think about. Um, but we seem to be finding our stride a little bit towards the end of October, playing a little bit more cohesive. And then came this run of the last week over the two teams, the men's and women's side, four matches in six days. And we're going to recount them all here in chronological order. So uh, you maybe have to get out your calendar, pull up the Hefpod statistic zone if need be. Uh, we're going to go through these one by one. So Garrett, kick us off November 9th, UC European, I can't do the UECL thing, uh, Europa Conference League match day four, on track Frankfurt against, name that club in Finland? Hoyako Helsinki on a... There you go. 12.45 Eastern kickoff here on a Thursday. Um, right around me, it was a nice sunny day outside. I was in a team meeting that I had the match on on my laptop with the sound off, and people knew what I was doing. Um, our dear, dear Diadler rolled out into a game that I believe the temperature conditions were 5 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. I'm not going to look it up. Um, an artificial pitch, which I think Einskar Knauf may have had some concerns about in the day before interviews before. Um, Diadler rowing in against Huyaku. 
um, with a couple injuries in the back line. Uh, Robin Cock was out, Tuta was out. So that led to, for the first time in since last year, four at the back, a 4-2-3-1 shape that saw um, from right to left, Aurelia Buta, Pacho, Erbe Smolcic, uh, Niels and Cuckoo, Skiri and Larson as their two holding midfielders, uh, Mbembe, Goza, uh, Ferris Chaibi, your attacking three midfielders, and Nolan Lush up top. Kevin Trapp in goal, part of the goalkeeper's mustache union. Even the goalkeeping coach at Frankfurt is celebrating November. I almost thought about having a mustache Friday, but I shaved that shit off, so I'm currently baby-faced, right, stubble-faced right now. But You can grow that back in like four days. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm already growing it back. But um, <laughs> the match saw, even though the shape changed, Frankfurt created some good chances early on. Um, in the 30th minute, uh, Ferris Chaibi was moving down the left-hand flank, decided to get in, take a stop, cut inside, and just side-foot beauty. Uh, top corner. Um, there were some chances throughout the match. Uh, Chaibi had another one in the second half. Paxton Aronson um, had a great chance in stoppage time. Um, we got to see some youth come in, Nacho Ferry came on, Bomb came on, um, Trap was called into action, but at the end of the day, another three points in conference reach to the Adler, Hoyako, Helsinki nil, Eintracht Frankfurt one. Additional bonus is Pauk Thessaloniki two, Aberdeen two. What that means is at the end of four match days, Pauk Thessaloniki first with 10 points, Eintracht Frankfurt with nine, Aberdeen with two, Hoyako with one, Eintracht Frankfurt are at least guaranteed qualification through at least round 32 of Europa Conference League. Um, if they went out the final two matches uh, it, in the Conference League, they're guaranteed the tops. Um, their next match is against Pau Kessinaliki on November the 30th, but there's plenty of time to get to there. Um, but let's talk about this match. Chris, how did you feel when watching the match, and how are you feeling now that we've kind of had a couple of days to sit on it? Well, I'm going to cut straight to the goal. Uh, that Chibi goal was the kind of one that always goes against us, where nobody's winding up for a big kick. Uh, it, it looks something harmless from a long distance at a weird angle. Uh, the way he just floated it, rounded around the corner of the keeper and into the top corner, uh, top shelf where Grandma keeps the peanut butter. That was the kind of goal that always goes against us. And you're like, well, shit, it's not our day. This time it went the other way around. And, you know, we weren't playing terrible. Uh, it was just kind of ho-hum and quiet, 30 minutes of back and forth, uh, possession game, both kind of equal and not a lot going on. And when he stepped over that ball and held up the play, I thought he was going to cross to the middle. And as soon as it left his foot, I'm like, that's – too strong. That's going over the goal. And it just kind of hung there and hung there. And I thought it was outstanding. Uh, that's the kind of goal that lifts the whole team, especially a weird one like this playing on turf where, you know, guys are a little hesitant. The ball moves a little bit different. A lot of things going on there unrelated to the game, but kind of influencing what happens where maybe your not mind is not fully engaged. Um, but certainly, Chibi's right foot was fully engaged, and that finish was outstanding. I watched it probably 40 times already, hopefully 50 by the end of the night. So, 
yeah, first half of back and forth, um, didn't let down into the break, which is always my concern, that middle 20 minutes, 10 before, 10 after the half, uh, which bit us in another match we're going to talk about. Um, overall, nothing to write home about. It wasn't a memorable match that we're going to talk about years from now, but it was a business trip. We went in there, took care of business. Yeah, and I'm kind of agreeing with you in that. And like, I would have loved to see us get another goal or two in that match, but at the end of the day, regardless of like competition like levels or leagues, when you go into an away day in a European match day, um, anything's possible. Um, so, and there was some changes a lot around. So to have a new team shape, weather pitch, all of those in there, and you get a clean sheet, and it's good. It's a good feeling. It's a good sign um, that you can. This team can grind in addition to you know playing good football. So I'll definitely take it into yep. there. Um, and that was Thursday. Well, I'll go into what was next. Yeah. So now we're going to go into Friday. Wow, we kept that timely. This is good. Um, so Friday, the Eintracht Frauen um, back in league play. Uh, funky. Women's calendar starting to smooth out this time of year a little bit. Uh, Bundesliga match day seven for the women. Um, an interesting matchup with Leverkusen, a club that that doesn't put up a lot of highlights, not a lot of big stats for the big name they are on the men's side. They're generally mid-table on the women's side of things right now and didn't really know what to expect out of this. Um, and, you know... It, wasn't the kind of match I expected from Frankfurt, to be honest. Uh, ultimately, a 2-2 two to two draw. Uh, actually, Leverkusen goes up first on a fantastic shot. Just uh, similar to the Chivy goal um, against Helsinki, but it was on the near side post. Um, the shooter, Sien Hansen, I think is how you say her name, uh, she kind of did a toe poke that had not not a lot of leg behind it, but it was just a blistering shot right up under the bar. Uh, Stina Johannes had no chance at that. Even at the near post, she had no chance. Um, but then there was a quick reaction. Uh, our hero of the season, uh, Nicole Anyomi, just once again showing up right when we need her. A quick response less than two minutes later. And that's kind of when he thought, all right, let's take this over. But then the play went back and forth for the next 50 minutes or so with not a lot of action either side. Um, total shots on target for both sides through the match. Nine between the two, five for Frankfurt, four for Leverkusen, and two go in. So, um, and Yomi again, I, I love this second goal of this one because it, it reminded me of a goal in hockey. Garrett, you're a hockey guy. You know how sometimes you don't have the right angle, but you shoot the puck at that far leg of the goalie so it squirts out to the side and there's a rebound opportunity. This was a hockey goal for Frankfurt. Um, I forgot if it was Dunst who took the original shot. I don't recall. Um, but the shot from the left, the keeper makes a nice diving save, leaves a rebound out to the right. And uh, as always, Anyomi's there to bounce on it. And then you're like, great. Two to one, let's put a bow on this, take it home with us. Uh, no, it wasn't to be. Um, the late equalizer from Leverkusen, off a corner, the ball 
harmlessly drops into that mixing bowl in the middle. And if you don't take care of business there, you're going to get bit. And that's what happened. Um, it's frustrating to give up two points like that. Garrett, what does this group have to do to mentally get over the top? Because that result after seven match days, we're now a third of the way through the season sitting at sixth in the table. Now, when we look at points, that's six points out of first. That's not terrible. But when you only have 22 match days, being six points back, seven matches in, uh, it's concerning. And there's something about this group where they have talent. They now have experience, but they can't get over the top in matches like this where we expect it. Uh, what was your take from this match? And is there room for greater concern? I think it's one of those matches where we've been rolling for so well the last month and a half almost that I don't want to say we took this game for granted in a way, but I think the first cup I look at the first couple minutes of the game, Leverkusen were having the ball um, and kind of setting, like reminding me a little bit of the men's side for them where they were kind of getting going, trying to do a shutdown. But then we got into, got into the match and looked like we were going to get the opener. Uh, I think I was reading actually part of the club's recap on the website. Um, Hanshaw had a shot that went in, uh, had a chance, but went over the crossbar. Uh, but Sin Hansen had the opener for Leverkusen that you talked about. I loved how quick our response was with Enyomi. Uh, Prashnikar with a great little move uh, to kind of create some space to feed Enyomi, um, who just ripped that shot like high corner on there. Um, Leverkusen, if anything, their strategy, I think when you can tell in their defense, Prashnikar and Enyomi had really good had a really good match, I thought. They created havoc for the back line for Leverkusen. You know, Anyomi with a brace, Prashnikar set up. But Leverkusen's defense kept uh, Laura Fragain at bay, and they kept Barbara Dunst at bay. And yeah. and I think that that hindered us to an extent uh, because we weren't able, because there was a lot of a holding pattern for a lot of that second half before we took the lead. Um, and then we kind of got a little bit flat. Um, I've seen this a lot from the men in past years. Um, but, you know, it's you were talking about a hockey goal for us to equalize. Leverkusen's equalizing goal was a hockey-type goal also in that a playoff-type goal in a way where you just have that little inch of space in front of the net and you get an, it doesn't matter how you get it in, you get it in. And unfortunately for them, you know, Estrella Gonzalez, who had just came on as a sub for Leverkusen, gets that equalizing goal. And then there was a good flurry from us that looked like we might get something out of the winner. Uh, but it wasn't meant to be. And it's rough. But, you know, Leverkusen was going into that match third. And had they won, they would have been tied for first goal before the rest of the teams played their match day. So I think it's it's unfortunate we didn't get the win. It's frustrating that we couldn't hang on to that, especially when you talk about 22 match days and when you talk about how good the top two teams are, Bayern and Wolfsburg. Um, hopefully this is a learning sign in like, we've dropped seven points already from, actually, take that back. We've dropped 10 points from 10 matches. Uh, ten, 10 points. We cannot afford to drop any more the rest of the way. 
I mean, we have to go practically perfect. With that means run the table for fifteen matches, which is a very hard ask, especially when you're looking at uh, you know what else has started, which we'll talk about later on, and what else we still have to do with the Pokal. So, um, yeah, how? Let's see though if this match, whether from coaching or from playing, is a learning lesson of what not to do when you have a lead in the lead situation. You know, we'll get back to the men's side in a minute because we have a lot more to cover here. But a couple of things I think I'd like to note on this match, um, two people that didn't play great, Laura Fragging and Barbara Dunce, who's been probably our, our best player all season, or at least the most critical, maybe not putting up the, the biggest stat line, but certainly influential in the all three aspects of the game. But what was interesting to me is that in a tied match, 1-1, Laura Fragan came out in the 77th minute. And for somebody who you're supposed to rely on for goals, that's a little bit concerning to me. Um, in a match where you need three points, and she ends up on the bench. Uh, I guess at that point we were up two to one, but certainly we weren't, you know, playing them off the pitch where we could afford to take goal scorers off because you never know at what point they were going to equalize that. And ultimately they did. Um, I'm concerned about Laura Frogging, and we'll get into her a little more as we talk about the match that happened later. Um, but Barbara Dunst, uh, that was concerning for me. I'm no longer concerned now. After the match, we're going to talk about later. But two takeaways from that, that two players we rely on for an offensive punch were pretty non-existent in that one. So Agreed. I Garrett, do. why don't you take us – go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think we highlighted Prashnikar, and we obviously highlighted on Yomi. Um, I think I also want to highlight uh, Megan Hanshaw. I thought I had a pretty solid match. Um, as And, you know, Tanya Pollock had a lot of work to do. Because the way Lager Cruisen's midfield, you know, it was kind of, you know, they they were kind of a shutdown, but then they can quickly move it if they wanted to. Um, so I thought that both of them did as well as they could to limit the damage from them. It's just unfortunate. I think that both Lager Cruisen goals were against, at those times in the matches, against the run of play. But you know what? Sometimes that happens and we learn on from it. Uh, why don't you take us to the activity on the men's side on Sunday, November 12th? So what we'll do is um, the weekend, uh, before the me- uh, our men went to Bremen, um, our reserve Eintracht Frankfurt spy side um, had a match on Saturday against FCA Waldorf in the regional Liga Southwest. Um, falling short, uh, nil to the final, so they are in now seventh place in the Southwest. Um, well, hopefully they can rebound for their next match. As far as the um, Dino side, travel to Bremen. Um, you know, their seventh match in three weeks, their fifth match in two weeks. Um, and I think this is where we saw kind of the engine um, come to a little bit to a grind. Um, Back to three at the back for the squad. I'm taking a look here on the lineup. Some changes were made. Um, back to a back three. Tutu was back in the lineup. So it was Tuta. Pacho in the center because Robin Koch is still out. Uh, Smolcic again. Uh, midfield four. Buta, Larson, Shkiri, Max. 
Chaibi and Canal as your two attacking mids and Marmosh up top. Uh, I went and watched the Bundesliga highlight show, uh, I think it was either Sunday night or yesterday. And we had a couple of moments in the game that kept Bremen at bay. But then Frankfurt had a corner um, that a Bremen clear out. Buta loses the ball. Acres of space for Bremen. Um, Einstein Knopf, uh, unfortunately, gets tangled up, concedes a pen. Uh, Marvin Dutch, who's been on fire for Bremen, buries it 1 0. Um, and you're just like, and it was a kind of a flat half. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen that kind of a flat half. A couple changes were made um, at halftime. Uh, we, got, we saw, um, I don't think I'm getting the order of the live ticker on there, but I know um, Buta was off. Um, and I think in the second half, Frankfurt had a chance to equalize, but then our old, uh, our old Diablo player himself, <laughs> Raphael Bore, header, makes it 2 0. Um, Chris, I know you made a note of it. I'll give credit to you. Um, very classy gesture. Um, I think, you know, obviously I can understand someone's like if they wanted to let in a little bit of a celebration scoring a goal, but you know, it's like, Hey, I'm out of respect for my old side. Just, you know, keep it as close, you know, underneath as possible. That second goal woke this squad up, um, in a way. Um, I argue that Einstein Knopf may have, should have been potentially one of the people subbed off early on because I think his confidence, his confidence, I think, seemed to be rattled. You can tell after conceding that pen because there was a wide open opportunity to make it two to one that was skied. I don't know how many rows in, and you're like, this may be just our day for that. Um, however, Elishkiri cuts it to two one with a great strike. Um, and a shot just outside the box that ripped off the post. And then um, a couple of other chances all of a sudden started to happen for Frankfurt to equalize. They get an opportunity. I think it was a set-piece ball comes in, bounces over. Uh, Harry Smolchish in the right place at the right time. Heads it from close range, 2-2. From there, Frankfurt has some chances to win. Bremen has a chance or two. But at the end of the day, it's honors even. Uh, Verde Bremen two, Eintracht Frankfurt two. Um, a kind of yes, a kind of a frustrating game in a way. But I look at it also as the opposite of what uh, Frankfurt Dortmund was a couple weeks ago. In that we were the ones that had the two 0 lead. Dortmund equalized. We took the lead back, but Dortmund equalized. Either one of those games could have gone either way, but instead both of those were honors even. So bright side. Frankfurt yeah. still unbeaten in Bundesliga play. Their last league loss was against Wolfsburg on September 30th, which ironically was Wolfsburg's last league win, which we may talk about uh, when we go around the league later on. But seventh match in three weeks, fifth and two, I think this is where you're like, you could see that maybe we didn't do enough rotation. You thinking that way too, Chris? You know, I, I was just kind of thinking that um, it felt like a little bit of rotation on the fly, uh, taking off, um, pulling up the hefpod.com statistics zone here. Uh, the point at which substitutions were made 
was a little bit different than what we've been accustomed to so far under Dino. Um, with Buta coming off, I agreed with your comment about that one. Chibi coming off uh, for Goza in the 46th minute, which was before this, the Bore goal, the second one. Um, was that due to injury or was that just a, a run of play thing where they saw something? Because I, I may have missed that part, but the timing of that one seemed a little bit weird to me to bring those two. I mean, the first one made sense, but a forward-minded substitution down one goal when we weren't exactly, you know, in need at that point. I don't know. That was interesting to me. Um, but then Max coming on after the Bore goal and um, Hauga on for Knauf all before the 70th minute tells me that, that that second goal did wake them up. And they said, hey, we're, we're messing around. We're about to find out here. And uh, we see just how much additional energy that it takes to get back into a game when you go down. Not just one goal. You can probably come back from that if you're a halfway decent team. But a two-goal deficit at any point in this game against a team that's pretty well organized, that's tough. Um, you know, looking at the statistics here from halfpod.com, 85.5% passing accuracy. It took a very proficient second half for us to get back into that match. And I teased earlier how much I hate that 20 minute window, 10 minutes before and after the half that killed us. That was both the goals, the one in extra time in the first half. And then uh, the Bore won at the 50th minute. So the, the changes by Dino were necessary. Um, maybe it was a little bit of, to answer your question, a little bit of rotation too late too late to affect us coming into the match, but maybe realizing, hey, I do have legs on the bench that have something to offer. Goza is a creative player, and while we weren't playing terrible, we weren't very creative. And that's what he does is make stuff happen. You know, it's not flashy, but it's efficient. And I think that's the word to describe the last 30 minutes for Frankfurt. We were efficient in salvaging a point. It's not what we wanted against a team that's hovering in the bottom third of the table, but it's better than going into a two-week break on a loss. So certainly something to take from it. We'll talk more about the impact on the table later. Um, but for me, that one is is grabbing something more than nothing because if that's the match that sends you on a two-week hiatus, you're probably going to have a bad taste and come out of it flat. So we scored the last two goals leading into the break, which hopefully translates into, I know it doesn't mean a damn thing, but in my mind, it means something going forward. Did that answer your question? Moral victory. Um, I hate that term. <laughs> it's, and, and yeah, I think it's an overused term. But, you know, you talk about shifts in games and you talked about the 10 minutes before a half and the 10 minutes after the half, which was both Raymond's goals. 10 minutes, or in this case, 11, is also when Frankfurt scored their two. Uh, Shkiri in the 65th, Smolcic on the 75th. Um, and I think there, and you know, you talked about Max starting in and the Cuckoo having to come on. Um, you know, and Bembe came on late. Nacho Ferry came on again as a sub who's, you know, proving his weight already at this age, I feel like, in performances. It is tough and frustrating, and I also wonder these teams of imagine. I think a couple questions were asked is when we, 
getting Wolfsburg when we did again um, when we did compared to now maybe what happened what would have happened had we gotten Bremen a little bit differently as opposed to this run that they are on now too as well because I think that's what now three unbeaten in a row for Bremen so yeah Marvin Dutch earned a Germany call up um, there's a couple of players that are playing in really good form right now and it's you know, surprisingly, like, yeah, I was thinking we'd get three points into that, but if you start off, and it shows it, it doesn't matter who you're playing in this league, if you start off flat, you're going to have a potential to get knocked on your ass. It's just what happens when that happens. How do you respond? This team had to, you know, right. take another couple punches before they're like, all right, let's go. And, you know, I hope that the two goals going into to get the point is not is like all right we got a point but you know we need to get more because i look at this as a potential wasted opportunity based on what happened the weekend around us and especially when we know what we got when we come back from the break um but we can yeah. talk you want to talk about that real note that real now or do you want to talk about that in uh later on uh, who we yeah, no, we're going to go into that later because we're not done with our recap from the long weekend. So we're just going to jump right into it. Um, moving up, fast forwarding from Sunday to Tuesday as we record Tuesday night. This game is fresh in our minds. Uh, the Eintracht Frauen in the first match day of Champions League play, uh, group play that is, uh, after the qualifiers to get here. Finally, we make it to group play. Uh, the first time under the Eintracht crest after the merger with FFC a few years ago, uh, the pageantry was there. It, um, the women looked solid in the white under the bright lights. It, you know what? It was interesting uh, because the stadium they were playing in up in Sweden, it wasn't packed. It wasn't a big building. It, it wasn't crazy, but it had kind of an old school feel to it. Um, it really felt to me like a big match and watching them walk out there, just knowing how hard they worked to get into the group stage uh, after the disappointment last year, not going to rehash that here. Cause I do it way too often. Um, it felt good to see him make it to match day one finally, and to open up on the road in Sweden is probably good. Uh, cause if they were opening up at home, maybe a little more pressure, maybe things play out a little different. They could just treat this one like a business trip. It's a sports cliche. I've already used it twice today. I'm sorry. Um, but they came out and they really looked, I don't know if it was good. They looked organized. Um, as I complained a few minutes ago about the way they looked against Leverkusen, disjointed, some important players not being prepared. This was the opposite. Uh, they came out organized. They came out prepared, um, fragging. Tried to be a little more aggressive early. Not a lot of luck in that department, but the effort was there. Uh, Prashnikar, Dunst, um, making opportunities happen, even though we weren't seeing exactly what we wanted to see. Um, as I get my notes up from that one. Um, but on track breaks through. Uh, the captain does it in the 25th minute. Uh, Pavalic with... A weird shot. It wasn't really a shot. Maybe it was a shot. Uh, kind of made its way through traffic. And I think it surprised the keeper that it made it through. 
and goes off her hand and kind of trickles back into the corner of the net off the post. And you know what? I was surprised it took 25 minutes. Sometimes it's better to get lucky in that situation. But uh, once that happened, we felt a little bit better because it, it just took that one to kind of settle in and get comfortable. And again, playing on turf, something that we're not used to coming from Germany that takes some adjustment. Uh, we hear, see it here in the States. It happens a lot up in, in Scandinavia. Um, it's a different situation, uh, but I thought they adjusted well to it. Now, the part that got me um, was the second goal. We, in our Discord chat, we kept saying we we need a second, we need a second. We knew it it was just not the type of match it was going to end 1-0. Uh, thankfully, Barbara Dunst came through in the 84th minute. Um, just another situation where a big player who's been really productive comes up at the right time. We had to have that goal because in extra time, in the 93rd minute, um, uh, Rosengard comes back. I didn't catch the name of the player, but Rosengard comes back and gets one on a just a ball that made about three or four deflections going through the box. Um, a garbage goal. But that's the reason you score two goals instead of one, is to give yourself that little protection in case something crazy happens late. So much like we talked about um, with the men's side up in Finland, it was a business trip. And they took care of business. It wasn't as pretty as maybe it could have been. But we dipped our toes in the group stage waters. The next one is back home uh, against Barcelona. So we're tied with them atop Group A right now with three points after one match day. They've got a a good head start on the uh, goal differential. But you know what? It doesn't matter right now. Three points from the first match day, and everything will work itself out as we go forward. So... Garrett, what were your thoughts on this one? I know we were both sitting through a work day trying to watch this one, but how do you feel? You know, I feel like um, I think we saw some strides from the league match on Friday against Leverkusen. So I think they, I think the Frauen were like, okay, we know what we need to do. We got, and it's unfortunate that the scoreline was only one-two because they put the work in to get definitely more than the two. Um, Fry game was a bit more involved as we mentioned. Dunce was a bit more involved. Obviously, Anyomi and Prashnikar, um, Reutlier was having a big impact on there. Um, another hockey-type goal in Pavlik's goal. You know, that shot from a little distance that's got a little bit of a screen, and goalie doesn't yeah. get a clean. Um and we were just seeing this game out, and you were talking about it. We were all chatting on the Discord at one nil up, and we're just we're rolling. It's like we got to do more. We got to do more. And then they hit the fucking crossbar, <laughs> and I think the ball might have hit Stina Johannes in the head off the crossbar. And that was like, okay, we got to go. And then pedal to the metal, get the second goal, dunced in the right place at the right time. Um. And, you know, yeah, they light up a goal in the 93rd minute. It's frustrating. Um, I'm reading the um, English language translation from the uh, club website from Frygain's interview. And here's the first sentence. We had a lot of fun today, but in the end, we made it unnecessarily exciting. The important thing is that we got the three points. 
And I think that's the thing. European match day, you know, you're under the lights in all white. The Champions League theme playing. Shout out also to the Rosengard Stadium because they did, I, you know, um, this was on, for those that are wondering how you can catch the Women's Champions League, uh, Zone's YouTube channel uh, for Zone Women's Football has the matches that you can watch on YouTube um, free of charge. Well done to them on there. Um, but the um, banner themes over the loudspeaker, Ambitions by the Norwegian pop group Donkey Boy. I Shazam that. I paused it so I can go back live and Shazam it so I could check the song out. Um, and, you know, it's a good vibe in that. So it's a short amount of time before, you know, the Frauen go next and Frauen Bundesliga. And then, you know, next week who we got coming in. Um, for match day two of UEFA Women's Champions League. Um, start off on the right foot. You know, you keep rolling in there. Um, again, shout out to, I mean, the goal scorers, Pavlik and Dunst. Uh, Prashnikar, hope she's all right. I know there was a collision later on in the match. I think she was down for a second, but she got back up. Um, and, you know, it's a good, solid performance. And, and they looked they looked the side that was going to get it. Um, I'm glad that actually was the case on that. Yeah. Well, that was long. It took 40 minutes to cover uh, to cover four matches, but that was the weekend. It's that time of year when you have two teams playing through multiple competitions. There's a lot to go over. So uh, it, it's fun to recap, especially for those of us with memory issues. Um, but then we have an opportunity to look forward to upcoming matches too. Um, so we're going to take a break here, but before we do, uh, we're going to do a little shout out here. Um, one that hits close to home for Garrett and I, and a few of our other Michigan listeners, um, Josh Prentice, who is a, uh, Detroit sports fan. Uh, I say that cause he followed many sports, a hockey guy, a soccer guy, um, an Union Berlin fan, a Detroit city FC supporter. Uh, just an all-around good guy, uh, lost a battle with cancer. And he's somebody that uh, I didn't know him personally. I, I, I knew him. I talked to him. I didn't know him well. Um, but always a smile, always, you know, greeting me with a hello and uh, how you doing. And, you know, Garrett, I know you knew him a little better than I did. Just an all-around good guy. So uh, there's a good um, photo with him and and Red, your buddy from the 451 podcast, uh, where you're sipping on a Fago Rock and Rye. So that was my drink of choice tonight for hashtag what are we drinking. Uh, Garrett, what do you got on Josh? Um, you know, it's one of those things in that in the last year or so, I've been getting a lot of reminders on life and making the most out of it as much as you can um, with the moments that you got. And I'm fortunate in my life that I was able to know Josh for as long as I did and be able to meet him through this local club of ours. And not just not just Detroit City matches, but City Clubhouse. Um, yeah. Watch parties kick-arounds that we were on the fields with at the same time for um, Josh uh, Josh's beer league hockey team in Livonia 
was in the same league as I know you know our buddy Brian in Michigan, his team he played in in Livonia. So but so you have that's another connection in there. And you know, you mentioned you love you love doing that in Berlin. I know you like Leicester as well in England. Um but just like I said, an all around good guy and the last big thing I did socially before the world paused in 2020 uh, was Seagull Under Kenny Live. And before that, we got I hung out a lot with Josh and his now and his it became his wife Emily. Um, you know, hang out before, and we all went to the show and you know have that moment. Um, he fought for a year and a half with this with colon cancer, and. There's a good episode on 451. Um, it was a red interview with Josh, and Josh talked about just how to deal with, you know, how what he learned dealing with it, dealing with it, strength and courage, yeah. and and all those things. And um, you know, if you feel like you got something bothering you, follow that sign, see it through to make sure you're good. And part of the reason that we talked about bringing this up tonight in this particular segment of the podcast where we usually have fun with what we're drinking. Um, what you drink and who you drink with is, you know, we do it around sports. It's our passion. It's our love. And um, cancer takes away so many of the good people that we enjoy sports with. And certainly at the clubhouse, uh, there's going to be an empty seat there for a long time. And it's going to be a hard one for a lot of people to handle. So, um, we'll think about him, and if you're a, a Bundesliga follower in the Detroit area or a Detroit City supporter, uh, Celebration of Life for Josh at the Detroit City Clubhouse. Uh, you know where it is, 3401 Lafayette on the east side by Martin Luther King High School. Um, yeah, the 25th of November, 4 to 8 DCFC Clubhouse. Um, certainly, uh, fuck cancer and hug your loved ones. Keep them close. And let's beat this damn illness. All the best. And I want to um, give condolences, obviously, and our best and all of our wishes um, to Josh's wife, Emily, um, all of their and all the family um, going through. I know um, JR and Erica, certainly two very close friends, um, you know, Red and anyone that's, you know, going through this. I'm fortunate enough to call him a friend, and while we lost, um, he's gone for now. He's gonna, he's in our hearts. So that's right. We'll be right back for segment two, episode two ninety one, F pot. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Segment two, Hey on Track Frankfurt. Chris in the middle of the mitten, Garrett in the northern burbs of Detroit. Uh, we're gonna, we talked a lot in, in segment one about the week that was for on Track Frankfurt. Uh, we're gonna talk about what is going forward. Uh, so one of the things that our fearless leader Brian brought up, uh, the rumors 
is Eintracht moving away from Nike? Um, certainly we don't have any inside info. Uh, I wish I did. This is a big deal for some people. Um, some people care a lot about what logos on the shirt. Um, personally, I don't care about the shirt so much. Uh, those change every year. I am obsessed with the fan shop. I buy way more merch and I pay $40 for every order coming over. Thank you club for killing us on those fees. But, um, uh, Garrett, I know some people are very outspoken about their hatred of the, the Nike game kits. How do you feel about those? So I haven't owned a Nike game kit. Um, one of my thing, my Nike thing that I own from the club and I can't, figure out where it is is um it was a polo a colorless polo um white that i gotta figure out and they're run for me i know their sizes run big shout out also to the frankfurt club shop where even though i bought something i was able to hang on to it for five six months with the receipt and then exchange it for a different size when i was in germany uh, <laughs> and, only if you're in person though oh yeah um and, um, you know, this, when I, you, oh, a thing, when you think of Frankfurt in there, in this run of the Bundesliga that they've had, and now the 10th year, um, with Nike, it's anonymous, especially with maybe one of the greatest runs that this club's ever had, um, in terms of the Pokal and the Europa League game in the Champions League first time, the Frauen in the Champions League too, um, It'll be very interesting to see because I think right now, from what I was seeing, I think it was also footy headlines too. Like currently, they're not listed as an option for twenty twenty four. Uh, after twenty twenty four, that could change. Um, but if you're say not it, whether it's Adidas because I or if you're Puma, I hope it's not Castore. Um, but I know like in Nike, like Airby Leipzig's the one that's got the elite tag line on there. Which means by that is there's more of, you're not getting so much as a template. You're getting some customization and design and everything like that. Um, A lot of people that were fans of the club and like me, who loved a lot of the club's kits from like the late 70s to the mid-1980s, Adidas uh, was hand-in-hand as well as an Adidas-owned brand at times, Aramia, which um, is no, they know Adidas no longer owns them. Uh, the problem is now that was a different time. And I know as if you're not under the elite level for Adidas, you're going to get the run in a mill like everybody else. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what the club does. I think that, um, when you look at the, What's the best term? Is commercialization or marketing the best word? I'm trying to think for this. When you talk about the it's I track Frankfurt as it's a, a combination of those two. Yeah. When you talk about that, I think that someone like so even your umbros like this is a name that I think many would love to get under their banner. Um, depending on who it is, you might have we might have some more um, customization, able to add some cool touches to it. I will be very intrigued to see how it winds up. Um, and, you know, it'll be very interesting, but I hope it's not Castore just because I know that from what I've heard from people that are clubs, uh, following clubs that own Castore, 
or even seeing in player uh, actual quality on the pitch kits. That was hard to say. Um, It's been a bit tough. So we'll see how it goes. We've got plenty of time before I'm sure that announcement becomes official, which to me would probably mean early early to mid-2024. Plenty of time before we get there. I've been a big fan of of the unique Nike kits, um, whether it was the kit that recognized the Frankfurt Old City or the European kit this year with the map on the front of it. Yeah. And here's the reality. No matter who the brand is, the more people are buying and the more that we buy of that brand through official channels and not the third party, I know it generally costs a little more, but the more you buy directly from the fan shop and support brands that you like, the more they're going to make and the more new stuff, the, the higher you're going to go in that pecking order. So that's, that's something to think about. I know we're all trying to save money and buy stuff through Amazon and whatnot, but you know, let's think about if there's a better way to do it, to support the club and to make our point. Now, if you hate Nike and you want nothing to do with Nike, go ahead. Don't buy it. Cause that's, that's the quickest way to um, not get more Nike on the shelves. But certainly it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I just hope they don't go the Puma route. Um, what Puma has done to kits like like Borussia Dortmund and Manchester City, it's just, it's horrible. I, I, I really don't care who we have as long as it's not Puma because their stuff is absolute garbage. I can confirm, I can confirm because... Um, you know, I've had Palace, Crystal Palace were a Puma. So I've had a season of, you know, Palace kits. And the sizing's inconsistent. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, okay, it's a cool street It's a cool street brand. The looks are sleek and everything like that. But um, it can be a bit hard when it comes to purchasing kits. And then you talk about pricing, too. It can even work like you know you're trying to margins and so forth and all that stuff that you know important like the club like all businesses have to look into to make sure they're getting the right amount that's right all right that's enough uh of our fashion talk for the week i'm sure we'll have a lot more to say about that later on uh let's talk about what's going on around the league so on the front side we talked about them sitting in six uh we're going to talk about the men's side for a bit here Going into the break, um, with the international break coming up, um, let's take a look at the table for a minute. And we're going to look at it in two ways. Uh, First, we'll look at the league, and then we'll look at specific teams around it. But up top, uh, my humble brag, for as bad as my picks have been this year, I did say Leverkusen was going to run the table beginning to end at the top. And um, for the most part, that's exactly what they've done. First place, 31 points through 11 match days. Uh, Followed closely, 29 points for Bayern. Then a little bit of a drop-off. Stuttgart in third with 24. Leipzig fourth with 23. Dortmund fifth, 21. Uh, And the team that Eintracht is chasing, uh, Hoffenheim, is in sixth with 19 points. Eintracht seventh with 18. So we're certainly fighting for European positioning, whether that's the conference league again, or Dortmund in that five hole right now, 
um, fighting for Europa League. I think that's what we need to shoot for right now. I know we're only five points short of that that coveted Champions League spot, and that's where I think we all expect to be at some point. But right now, uh, we dug a hole early. We got to work our way out of it, stop drawing matches we should be winning. Certainly one loss in the league. Uh, there's only two clubs with better loss lines, Leverkusen and Bayern. Everyone else has two or more losses. Uh, I lied. Heidenheim, no. No, I got that right. I don't know. Need new glasses. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, the only club outside of the top two with less than two losses. So that's something to hang our hat on. But then we got to ask, why are we drawing so many matches? Iron those things out. We can move up. Um, at the bottom, the race at the bottom, which one that's absolutely shocking, a team playing in the Champions League, Union Berlin, sitting dead last in 18th position through 11 match days, two wins, nine losses, zero draws for a grand total of six points. I don't think anyone saw that coming. The usual suspects down there, Cologne, Mines, Darmstadt, Bochum, no one's surprised by that. Garrett, what are your thoughts on Union Berlin? Because we've seen them in Europe. We've seen them head-to-head in the Bundesliga. Did anybody see this coming? Maybe a fall-off from Champions League, but to be damn near the point of relegation just a third of the way into the season? What are your thoughts? I think it's wild when you look at some of the big names that joined in the offseason from Union. Robin Gozens, Leonardo Benucci, um, and even Brendan Aronson, Paxton's older brother. And they haven't won a competitive match since the end of August. They ended their losing <laughs> skid in the midweek uh, in Champions League, a draw, a late uh, equalizer in Naples against Napoli, but then went to Leverkusen on Sunday and got smashed 4 0, um, which I know you talked about Leverkusen, which Chabi Alonso's got an absolute squad that's playing out of their damn mind right now. And it's not just uh, Boniface up top, it's Grimaldo and Frimpron as a wingbacks. Jonas Hoffman, who may have been, that may be a move of the, of the season going from Lucian Gladbach to Leverkusen because he's clicked in on there too. Um, but Union, though, it'll be really interesting to see um, when where they wind up. Do they get the third spot in Champions League to continue playing in Europe or do they get eliminated from European competition completely and just have the rest of the season to focus on? Um Cologne, you could say, is another interesting one. They seem like they're going inconsistent. They're trying to find their form, um, you know, next to bottom. Um, Mainz with a coaching change unbeaten in their last two. VFL Wolfsburg, we've talked about their last win in uh, Bundesliga play was September 30th, the 2-0 win over us, our only defeat of the season. You run that match back now, it's a different result. It may not be a win for us, yeah. but they're not beating us. Um, yeah, damn right. Uh, surprise team to me is Augsburg. They made a coaching change. Um, I can't think of the name, but uh, unbeaten four matches start to it from there off. Um, a team that's proving to be a very hard out. Um, Christian Keats with a couple goals. Demirovic is a good, um, you know, I think he's got six goals for them. Um, Freiburg, 
Freiburg have been showing to be a little bit inconsistent. I know they got the Thursday, Sunday like we do. And they actually have a pretty tough um, Europa League group. Brighton, Ajax. Ajax Athens, I think, is their group. I think that's the four. Um, and you're looking at a team like, and, you know, Muchen Glavak, they got a good, they got a big win on Friday, a 4-0 over Wolfsburg. Alessandra plays starting to click. Um, um, and I would say your two surprise teams right now, uh, Hoffenheim in sixth. They have won, they've won six matches, Chris. You want to know what the funny thing is? Five of their wins have been on the road. There are five wins in a draw. That's their six road matches this year. So, you know, we played, we, you know, we beat them in their barn. Unfortunately, they got to come to ours. So hopefully that road form cools down um, when that time comes. And VFA Stuttgart, um, who just got Serge yes, Garassi there back. we go. Uh, Say you Garassi back, sorry. Uh, Garassi, who was still on fire. He was missed for a couple matches. Stuttgart lost both of those matches. Um, Hoffenheim came into uh, Mercedes-Benz, got a 2-3 way win, and then a Stuttgart lost at Heidenheim, a match that really could have gone either way. Um, a come-from-behind win against Borussia Dortmund at home, although if anyone watched the highlights, you could say that Stuttgart were well-deserved in that three points. Um, so, and then you got Bayern at second, who are... You know, they haven't played bad in Bundesliga form. It's just they got two draws this year. And one of them was yeah. against Leverkusen. And that game could have gone, that Leverkusen Bayern game could have gone either way. Uh, Bayern's other draw was they had to come back from 2 nil, two goals down in Leipzig. And that was a one that could have gone either way. So, in a way, like, okay, cool, we're in seventh place. We've lost one match. I look at that run early on in the season. Mainz, Köln, uh, Bauckham, three games that you want back. And if you got them at different times of the year, maybe all three, maybe two of them are wins. Um, but thankfully, we're starting to click. Hopefully, we can continue to click. Um, international break is coming. Like we're, we're at an international break right now for the men. Um, and then we're going right into it again. Um, and we got a big one on the 25th, so, uh, Stuttgart at home, 12.30 PM kickoff. So. Exactly. That's exactly where I was taking it. Uh, we're going to find out how we match up against Stuttgart. You mentioned them as a surprise team. They're my top surprise team, uh, for the way they've started this year. I think we expected them to be better, but to win five straight, like they have and it's a little more than Great we expected. Great football, too. Great football. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun to watch. Um, the The last point about Union Berlin, who, you know, still every week you're like, all right, this is the week. They have enough talent to be better. The difference between a bad team and an awful team is the number of draws that you have. Through 11 matches, there are two wins, zero draws, and nine losses. They're totally lost in the woods. Uh, they have no idea what direction they're going at any given time. If you cannot put together a draw in league play, you deserve relegation. And they're, they're in a precarious position now where they spend a little bit of money clearly in the wrong places. And they may get that double whammy of not just 
you know, falling out of Europe, but then falling out of the top division too, which would be a hell of a fall for from grace for someone that was so celebrated when they came up a couple of years back. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, coming back against Stuttgart is going to be a really interesting return on the 25th. Um, that is a holiday weekend here in the States loaded with football, uh, loaded with shopping and all that good stuff. Uh, but certainly loaded with Eintracht Frankfurt coming back on that Saturday. It is going to be a hell of a interesting measuring stick for us. Um, I failed everyone in not having the international assignments list, seeing who is going where. Uh, I do know Paxton Aronson will be in the U.S. camp. Um, outside of that, I failed us. Garrett, do you know anyone else who's headed out on duty? I know Robin Koch would have gone for Germany had he not gotten hurt. I think that was, I remember hearing that. And that's severely disappointing because he earned that. Yeah. Um, I would say probably your usuals, Marmosh, Chaibi, um, Ansgar Knath, I think, has U21 duty, I think, for Germany. Um, let me see. I'll take a look. How is he still U21? Uh, <laughs> wild. Uh, that blows my mind. But um, I think Trap's going, Trap's going to Germany. I know that. Um, I'm glad that Marvin Dusch and him are on the same side for this uh, international stuff and not opposing. Um, but I think it'll be very interesting. Yeah, one more, I want to put one more thing on there for Union because it's the line that Robin Gosen said when I watched the highlight show last week. He said, and I think he was saying this in the squad, he feels broken. So you know how you're talking about a bad team and an awful team. You want to know what is even worse than all that. A team in one bad, with no hope. One with bad form and no hope. And I think that's the Union Berlin we are seeing right now. Um, yeah. And let's we'll just ha- we'll just see if they can pull out of it. You know, I'll be honest. It wasn't that long ago. We're talking a decade, maybe just slightly more than a decade now. Um, that we were either playing for Europe or fighting relegation. Yep. So we've been there. We we know that fight. It is the worst possible position as a fan to play in Europe, but also be fighting relegation. I mean, we we won a European competition two years ago um, <laughs> as finishing eleventh and being in a relegation battle as late as you know. I, I don't think we we're technically safe until like week 28 or something late like that. It, it's a weird position to be in as a fan. And that's a good group over there in Berlin. And certainly they share a lot with us culturally, but you know, it, it's something they got to figure out. I don't pull for any side, but my own um, that's on them to figure out. But uh, another match day to bring up uh, going forward as the men are on break, the women are back in action Next weekend, Saturday, November 18th. Uh, It's an early one. Garrett, I hope you set the alarm and set your coffee. 6 a.m. on the East Coast here in the U.S. It's 3 a.m. for people listening out in California. Uh, Hit me up on social media. I'll Venmo you some coffee money because you're going to need it. Uh, That's an early one. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt Frauen at Nuremberg. uh, My old stomping ground. Truly the club I hate the most in Germany uh, for a variety of reasons. 
but it, nothing to do with Eintracht Frankfurt, just personal associations with people in that club that are Bayern fans, but they also fly the Nuremberg flag out. That it, It's a weird dynamic in that city. One of the best <laughs> so, things, one of the best things in the social gathering around Chris is to get him going about his despising of Nuremberg. It's actually quite hilarious. You get it. When I lived in Germany, I was too close to too many of those fans, and it just, I could never get over it. <laughs> I get it. Um, following that match Saturday in league play, it's right back into Champions League play on Wednesday, November 22nd, uh, 3 o'clock p.m. East Coast. That's 9 p.m. In the Waldstadion, uh, track Frankfurt going up against Barcelona, who is the strongest women's side in the world right now. We talked previously how they went um, 100% uh, all wins. They did not drop a single point in domestic competition previously. They are rock solid. They're built well. They're well-funded. So we're certainly going to have our... Our uh, work cut out for us there, but I think it's an opportunity at home where we have an opportunity to surprise them, maybe catch them off guard a bit. Um, I really, you know, we're, we're probably not going to have an episode before then due to holidays here in the States. So we'll just do a quick uh, preview here of that one. I don't think we can beat Barcelona even at home, but that's one where we're going to be relying on the fans uh, we need everybody to pack that stadium. Give me 20,000, 30,000. Show up, wear the, the red, wear the white, wear the black, because, damn it, the, these women deserve it. They've worked hard for it. They've earned everything that's been given in qualifying. And this Group A is, is considered uh, one of the groups of death in the Women's Champions League, and we need everybody out there on Wednesday the 22nd. Garrett, you got anything on that one? You know, it's a um, on Thanksgiving Eve for us here. Um, you know, time for many of us to find the things that we're thankful for, and one of the things, obviously, you and I and our many of our fellow players, Discord, just Frankfurt supporters all around the world in general, are thankful for is you know the Frauen being in this position now, um, and this is and these are the opportunities to show what you're made of. And we have the talent. Um, if you're able to get there, are they playing at the Vault Stadion or are they going to be playing at their other main ground? Wherever it is. They're in the they're in the big building. They're in the big one. So do what you can to get there. Um, if you can't get there, support anything that you can because this is a team that's playing great football. This is a team that is carrying the name, the banner, the, the you know, the crest like the men are. and you know any if they can even if they don't beat barcelona but if you take get a draw against them that is a hell of a confidence boost because the next game that they play is good after that in all competitions is a couple weeks away after that so how do you want to go into international break you got me fired up i'm ready to run through walls for frankfurt now here your second only, um, your second only on the get Chris fired up for a match list behind Peter Fisher. I think he's the only one that does it better. He's good at <laughs> it. He's damn good at it. 
So, uh, Garrett, I think people are tired of hearing us talk. They just want to go watch the matches. Uh, if people want to talk to you, where are you on the social media landscape? So the personals, Instagram, Twitter, Discord, GM Comets, uh, Garrett Comets on the Facebook. Um, I'm Track Frankfurt Detroit, SKA Diablo. You can find us at Detroit SKA on the Twitter or X or whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, you know, we may do some more stuff, uh, add some more like short video stuff in there um, down the line. Be on the lookout for that stuff. Um, you know, and if you're looking, any Americans here that are looking to file a local club, another thing that occasionally gets some Frankfurt discussion, channel 451, uh, at 451BET, because now it's off season here. We'll, we're going to talk about our European clubs, especially. Cool. Cool. And you can follow me, Chris. Um, I don't even know where I live anymore. Uh, in the state of Michigan. <laughs> Somewhere uh, in the middle. Uh, yeah, I'm all over. I work on one side of the state and I live on the other. But um, I am on Peloton where I picked up another Frankfurt person today. It's pretty cool. I was riding and it was like, I went back to the menu and it was like, so-and-so added you. I don't know who this person is, but they've got the Eagle Crest in their logo. So I was like, that's cool. Off the um, gates. <laughs> on Peloton, Instagram, Discord, X, formerly Twitter, at C and the D313. And of course, you can follow the show um, on all of the same uh, platforms Instagram, X, uh, at Hey on Track Frankfurt or at HEF Pod, uh, Instagram, Facebook. I'm losing track of them all because there's so many. But you know what? If you go to HEFPod.com, uh, halfpod.com has links to all those sites, including the 24 hour discord chat, which gets rather lively, positive or negative during match days. Uh, also our new statistics zone, which is growing each week with new features there, a uh, map of where you can watch Frankfurt with other Bundesliga fans or other Bundesliga teams as well. So yeah, lots of opportunities to interact with the show. Give us your feedback like follow share all that good stuff if you've got a podcast reach out with your podcast let's do something i know we're working on something special at the end of the year with other podcasts as well so be fun to interact in that way so uh that's it for episode 291 as we inch closer and closer to episode 300 i thank garrett in detroit and myself we will talk to you after the thanksgiving holiday in uh we'll say about 10 days from now all right, we'll talk to you all soon. Cheers. Ambitions by the Norwegian pop group Donkey Boy. Top shelf where grandma keeps the peanut butter. Hey,